podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. And welcome to another episode of Red Alert Special for Anfield Index. I'm your normal host, Dave Davis, coming to you from, I've got to be honest, a, uh, we've had every season in one day in Edinburgh, I have to say that. But most importantly, the sun is shining now, so I'm going to enjoy that whilst we can. And I'm pleased to say my fellow Edinburgh cohort is with me as normal, Mr. Mark Evans. Mark, how are we, sir? I'm very well, mate. Yeah, also enjoying the uh, the rare sunny evening in what has been a miserable summer. Yeah, it has been a uh, not the best, and I'm not even talking about Liverpool now. So we'll get straight <laughs> into that, folks. Realistically, and this is going to be a weird one, Mark, because we're going to talk about July, and someone's going to go, "Well, they're not had any competitive games." But Christ, when I think back now, as we stand on the 30th of July all the things that seem to have happened. I'm pretty sure this month has lasted about 180 days, give or take. So if I say to you, it feels like a crazy month, what the hell's happened in July? What are you going to say to me? <laughs> I know it's, it is a funny one because we, we've not had, I mean, apart from the game today, we've not had any massive games, really. The first two were like, you know, the first couple in pre-season are always real kind of throwaways. Um, we haven't signed many players, so you would, you know, you wouldn't think that it'd been that active. But in its own funny way, it's been one of the maddest months I could ever remember as a Liverpool fan. It, it kicked off with pretty much the first day of the month. We got Sabozlai in almost out of the blue. One of those, yeah. one of those classic modern Liverpool deals where they just come in, pick their man, steamroll the other team that were in it, which were Newcastle this time, get it done. And he signed. So, I mean, that was a, an awesome start to the month. But then just a few days later, rumours start about Henderson and then later Fabinho. I, I kind of took them with a pinch of salt when they came round because it, it you know, just seemed so unlikely, especially Henderson. I really just didn't, just didn't see that coming at all. Uh, we get our first friendly match, uh, 4-2 win, forwards looking really good. I was really like, encouraged by that. They spread the goals and assists amongst themselves. Uh, really, really did enjoy that because you know if you look back on last season, I think that's one of the that's one of the critical things we didn't do enough of. We just didn't score enough goals. So I really want to see that corrected. And there's no reason it isn't. You know, in theory, that's our strongest suit striker. So very encouraging yeah. to see the first friendly go that way. Um, then we then we're sort of heading off for our second game. And uh, Hendo and Faber now not in camp. You know their their moves are are looking like they're actually happening. So that that started to become a real sort of right. Well, we're going to have to get somebody in. We're clearly losing another couple of midfielders on the back of already having lost Milner, Ox, Taita, 
per value if you want to throw him into the mix. Um, so we're so we're starting to look very thin if those two are going. Um, rumors about who's going to replace them. There was a Lavia bid not too long after that, rejected. And then talk of a second bid, which we've never really kind of got to the bottom of. Uh, whether whether that's going to go through or not, he still seems to be playing for them in, uh, in all their matches. So they're clearly holding out a little bit. Kind of, guess they hold the cards on this one. Uh, then Henderson was pictured training for his new team before before he'd even officially left us. That was another mad thing that happened this month. Yeah, uh, that deal does eventually go through the Henderson one. Uh, there were there was talk of would he reject it? You know, was he thinking? I think a little bit of PR spin on all of that. He does finally go. It looks like the Fabinho one is done as well. But uh, as you were talking about on the transfer show earlier, it's uh, it's just really, really slow doing business with the Saudis. It seems they just take a long, long time. Like, I don't know if you saw, but even just this afternoon, the St. Maximum one went through from Newcastle. And I thought that one was done weeks ago. Uh, yeah, Mad, the, the sort of pace, I guess, just not what we're used to. The European style is really just kind of ship them out as soon as you can once you know they're not staying. Um, and then we go to the third friendly, which was just this morning against uh, Leicester. And I thought a really encouraging one, probably the the, the best of the three. Um, you're kind of getting into that stage where you're expecting more as well. You know, you've a little more minutes in the tank, more of the first team guys around uh, around the squad. Uh, again, the forward's really good. I pick out Darwin in particular from from the second and the third friendly, really, really sharp. And uh, as you know, I've, I've been a bit of a critic of Nunes over over the last season, and I'm really, really encouraged at what I've seen from him over preseason. I haven't seen any any of those slack touches that kind of were beginning to creep into his game in in the sort of worst periods of his form. Uh, and and just some, some real sharpness. I love the goal that got disallowed today. It sort of chipped it over the goalie to himself and tapped it in. Yeah. Really sharp finish for his second one. Uh, just all round, really, really, really encouraging stuff. And I'd also actually pick out McAllister from today's. I thought he was really, really sharp today. Um, so all of that kind of closes out what has been a mad month. Uh, we're left with a with, with a, a gaping hole in midfield. But I actually think on the face of it, we've done a lot of good stuff in there. You know, I think we've managed to get a lot of the ones out we should have got out. Um, maybe just not brought enough in that we should have brought in. Christ, I think I asked you to describe July, not 2023. But yeah, that has all <laughs> truly happened, hasn't it? It just that, that's it, mate. Yeah. It, it was that busy. It really is. And yeah, it probably, um, probably won't show any signs of sort of slowing down. Well, you hope not with what's left to do anytime soon. I suppose when you look at that month overall, and Christ, there was a lot of things that sort of happened there. What are your kind of, what are your top hits as in like, yeah, those are big positive. And what are your biggest couple of concerns, would you say? So top hits, biggest concerns. How do you see it from July? So, so that's the thing. I, I really do think everything we've done is positive. I think, like you know, on on an individual basis, all of the major things—Fab going, Hendo going, Sabozlai coming in—certainly, um, like in the transfer field, I think all of those are really positive. I would be pro all of them. So we're doing the right things. I think that the obvious thing is we're not doing enough of the, of the incomings. You know, the, I don't think anyone would argue about the guys who have gone. It's just that we, we didn't seem prepared for them going. It seems like, 
like even the, the one that's kind of clearly the, the the one that we're after, Lavia. Even if he does come in, you know, he, he's not an experienced defensive midfielder. Not not in the way that we've lost Fab or Hendo or you know all these other guys who have gone kind of later in their careers, around thirty years old. Loads of experience here, right. Milner's. Um, so I just right. don't. If they'd started the window with with the knowledge that these two were going, that Lavia would have been the one they were picking out to replace him because. I just don't think he does have that experience, you know. I don't. I don't think that would have been how they would have gone for it. But it's it's been, or, or it feels like to me, it's been one of those windows where you've just kind of had to roll with the punches. The offers were good for two aging players, and we've just had to go with that. And now we're going to have to kind of reformulate a plan, and uh, you know, and just kind of take it from there. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. It's uh, there really is this. There is some things to be really positive about. I mean that strongly. Really positive, and the, but at the same time, I understand why people will have concerns. It's like you said. I'm excited by it. Almost feels now. It's not what I thought it would be, but it feels like a revolution rather than evolution in that midfield. Like things have been accelerated for external forces, maybe things outside of Liverpool's control, they, they could say. But like you said, you, you roll with the punches. It's an exciting time with who's gone out and who's come in. You know, that that the age of that midfield has just come tumbling down at a huge rate. And what yeah. I've also liked... All of it has. Yeah, the wages, the age, like it really has. They've just kind of gone for it all at once. I don't think maybe by plan or design, I think it's just happened that way. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm seeing at the moment, and again, they always say don't read too much into preseason, which I totally get from July. But what I'm seeing in these games is energy, pressing, everything, you know, we used to be or we want to be against, so to speak. And even the way Jurgen's talked about it, you know, we want to get that. We want to put last season right, as he keeps saying a few times. So that's a massive positive. And you said all the forwards are kind of banging them in, contributing, having big impacts on, you know, everything. The forwards look the sort of pick of the areas, if it were, so to speak. So that's positive. However, there is a few things. I think, you know, we've got to be sad. There's not enough coming and it is starting to look a little bit threadbare, as you mentioned. So hopefully that still gets corrected in August. The speed of the Saudi transfers, which Jürgen's mentioned, is, you know, not what we're used to. I think that has also caught us out and kind of, Hopefully it's a small hangover we move on through quickly. But the only thing that's kind of, it's just nagging in me gut a little bit, to be honest, is, is pre-season, don't read too much into it, I get that, but we look so open still. And the big thing would I'm just starting to think is, even with Lavia, is that going to be enough to sort of plug those gaps in midfield? And obviously we're not looking like the way it seems, we're going to reinforce that defensive area. So that's just kind of the one crux, as it were, for me. It, it, I just get the feeling unless there's major reinforcements in some way, we might have to win a few games 4-3 or 5-4 next season, if that makes sense. So that would only be the slight negative or the slight thing that's sort of concerning me. But overall, I'd probably agree. If you think so, positive more than anything. I would say positive more than anything. Yeah, I think you made some really good points there. I think the... The defensive holes, that's definitely definitely something that's been noticeable in all of the games. We, there, there are still holes, and it does predominantly still come down that kind of channel between right back and centre back that we've kind of become accustomed to because, you know, Trent does play a little higher, or, or Bradley, when he's played there, has kind of followed suit, you know, and had a similar role to what Trent gets to play. 
Um, and I, I think it is just fairly inevitable that you will be open playing this kind of new system where the right back presses into midfield, you know, and just leaves that little gap. You're asking a lot of Kanati to cover all of that ground. Um, I think on the positive side, again, as you touched on, I, I've really liked what I've seen in the pressing stances from Sabozdai looks like he presses really well. McAllister looks like he presses really well. I think the forwards more generally are pressing better as a unit. I think Darwin seems to have got to grips with it a little more because that was definitely like the major weakness in Darwin's game last year is he wasn't, he was kind of, you know, headless chicken chasing the ball rather than the kind of collective press that we've become famous for. I think Jota looks pretty sharp and his press is always good. So I I think if you did get a a defensive midfielder in there that was on that level of pressing, you're really looking at your your front six players, essentially, who all press well. There wouldn't be any any kind of laboured kind of ageing characters anymore. Where last season, at times, it felt like we had two or three in the side at all times in the the forward sort of six. So I I do think that would help plug a lot of those gaps because in pre-season, we haven't had the, the strong midfield all playing together. You know, you've, it's generally been McAllister or Sabozlai. Um, you saw kind of Jones playing in the six today. It hasn't like come together yet as, as what I think we'll be seeing for the season. So I still have some hope that we can plug that gap tactically. Um, yeah, not, I'm not saying we will. And I do think there will always be more gaps because of this formation. But I, I, I do think it, there's still room to improve there with what we've got. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise, and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. But overall, I think well, you know whatever concerns will come on to transfers and things like that, there is a lot to be positive with. And listen, the, the Reds have banged him for every game so far. So we like seeing him score goals and, you know, attacking in that sense. And probably the, the final thing in the kind of the pre-season highlights that we're talking about so far, I think it's important to ask this because for me, the youngsters especially, I think have really sort of stood out a little bit. And when I say stood out, there's, there's always tends to be a few like, there's been the, pre-season player of the year award to kids before hasn't there like Rian Brewster even going back to Ovi Ajaru and they never quite do anything but it just feels a little bit different for me anyway looking at a few of the the kids who have played the game so far is there any that you're thinking yeah that kid could be a player really standing out for you at all there is actually and uh, again I'm usually a bit of a skeptic when it comes to the youth players I tend not to include them in my thinking because like you said you get these kind of flash in the pan summers and then they're just gone and uh, it is pretty you know apart from I guess Jones and Trent we haven't really had much success in that department for quite a long time now yeah I look at um 
So today was the, the first time I had a good look at McConnell and I thought he was really good. I thought everything he did was good. He carried it well, carried himself well. Uh, looks to have like a reasonable frame on him already for his young age. Uh, I thought Quansa looks uh, a monster for his for his age. I mean, he really does. His physique's ridiculous. I absolutely loved that kind of last-ditch tackle he lunged into today. I thought that was like proper old-school defending. I've, I've, I always like a defender that will kind of really put his body on the line there, kind of the anti-Van Dyke, if you will, you know, willing to just really like throw themselves at it. Uh, ben Doak's probably the biggest one for me. I think Ben Doak is extremely yeah. exciting. I think the sky's kind of the limit for Ben Doak if he can if he can kind of pull it all together and get that end product that I think he is maybe just missing that kind of that final pass or the, or shooting at the right time or you know maybe just getting his head up a little earlier. Some of the some of the kind of natural attributes there are just so high end. He's so quick. He's fearless. He's like a little bull. I love the sort of low, powerful center of gravity. He goes at his man, kind of tireless as well. He just keeps doing it, keeps doing it. Doesn't seem to like get his head down. Uh, I mean, scored a header today. It was a, a neat little header. I, I think. I think he has worked his way into now potentially being in a front six for us rather than it being the five that we thought it would be. You know, I think he's he's doing that well, that he's, he is kind of in contention as a first-team player for me. I, I expect to see him in the League Cup, probably even the Europa League. Uh, I don't, don't know what you've thought of him, but as a, as a Scotsman, I'm uh, I'm particularly excited about Ben Doak because we've, we've been pretty light in the forward department my entire life. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, it, there is some excitement over the kids. Like, I think you're right. Ben Doak's the one, for obvious reasons, stand out because what gets a fan off their seat more than a winger running at players, attacking them, direct, exciting with pace. You know, everyone loves to see that. He watches football. And he's got that, he's got that, as you said, almost like that little bit of aggression, a little bit of fire in him for us, for a small guy as well. There's there's so much there to work with. And, and I agree. I, I know at the start of the sort of summer period, you're thinking, does a loan suit him, you know, championship, something like that, playing yeah, week in, yeah. week out. But the, the more you see him, the more you're thinking, nah, this kid is like Europa, hopefully we get a bit of a look in the cups type of things with draws. He could be, you know, perfectly made to sort of start building and giving the odd minute to here and there. So I totally agree with that. Quonsa's fascinating me because he, he is literally... He's a man's body, probably is the old saying of the boy in the man's body, because he's, yeah. but he's not that young. He's not like a 17, you know, he's over 20. He's a, he's a big guy. And he kind of strikes me, and it's kind of a blanket saying with centre backs, because we know with any top centre back, they tend to, you know, because you, you read the game better as you get older type of things. So the centre backs tend to peak later than forwards. That's just a natural. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, so you look at him, but. I, I honestly think, though, at the same time, considering the, the start of last season, fifth-choice centre-half with Nat Phillips, I'd be happy if no-one else comes in that Quanta stays the fifth-choice, you know, that gets the, the Europa now and again, the Cups, that type of thing. So it's a tough one because they might think loading him out, you know, regular game time, and I get that, especially in that position, but it's not that straightforward. So it's a tough one to think about, but... He's got Kanati and these guys to learn off as well. He's in a pretty good spot as far as uh, gaining experience from the guys around him here at Liverpool. You know, if he if he just sits on the bench and 
trains with these guys every day, gets the odd game like next to a you know a matchup or someone in Europe. Um, I, I think that is the way to go with him. He, he looks physically ready, which is. Again, when you're when you're saying like experience and reading the game, it's also the physical side. You actually have to get yourself up to like peak condition, you know, as a, as a man to be a, an adequate centre back because you're going to come up against these forwards that are going to throw you about the place. You have to be able to physically handle that. It's not like you know being a nippy little striker where you can just kind of get in between people, you know, and be a pest. You have to be quite physically commanded as a centre back, and he looks ready for that at a kind of younger age than you'd expect. Yeah, exactly that. And he had the the loan spell last season with Bristol Rovers. That that just gives me an inkling. I could be wrong, wouldn't surprise me, that they may just keep him around as that option. The the only other two to finish it off that I think it's worth mentioning, who have like you said, McConnell and Bobby Clark, who scored today, you know, he, he looks again a talented player. The only thing I would say for those two is they look like they're still growing into their frames a little bit, so to speak, especially in the midfield room. So I think they're really talented players. They seem to have the the key basics, the foundations that you're looking for. But I just get the feeling looking at them that man's football alone to the right club, to the right league, would just sort of suit them down to the ground. So those are the other two. I, I Bobby totally Clark. agree on those two, especially because we've already got kind of Elliot, Bajetic, uh, Jones, you know, we already have quite a young midfield anyway. Um, I think they're like the, a full step below that, if you will, you know, and uh, well, in, in Europe, you know, we'll be looking to give midfield minutes to the likes of Elliot and Bajetic. So I just don't see that there's going to be the space for them, you know, to get the minutes they'd need. I think alone would be much more kind of advantageous to them. Yeah, absolutely. And, Definitely ones to uh, to keep on watching, so to speak, as the summer develops. And listen, we're going to have to talk about it because without doubt, the summer windows are always going to be dominated. And we've even brought it all in already, the transfer scenario. So if we look at the incomings, generally, the, the two so far, Alexis McAllister from Brighton, Dominic Zaboslai from Red Bull Leipzig. I mean, there should be an easy answer, but we'll see. Impressed by everything so far? Yeah, more than impressed, to be honest, Dave. I I, I think uh, McAllister in particular, I, I think he has slotted in just perfectly. I mean, he's basically first name on the team sheet for me in midfield now. He, I, I like everything he does. He's He runs well. He's very, very careful with the ball. He protects it. He doesn't mind passing forward as well. He's like comfy taking it in tight spots and little holes. He's got sharp feet. I just think he immediately looked like a Liverpool player. I've heard like various guys around the camp talking about him saying, you know, that they they love that he looks for that kind of through ball, that he's he's just like an easy, pleasurable guy to play with. I, uh, I think he, for 35 million, I, I genuinely think that's just a 10 out of 10 sign. And I don't think you you, you can't like praise the, the, the transfer committee enough for that one. It is just absolutely spot on. You can't get value for that quality like that. that It really is just a top, top signing. And Sabozlai, we've seen a little bit less of him because of the injury, but absolutely everything I have seen is good. Even some of these uh, training videos that I've been watching of the in pre-season, Klopp seems to be really happy with him. He's like verbally praising his pressing and these sort of things. Gakpo also has been getting that sort of praise. Uh, I think Technically, he looks phenomenal, Sabozlai. I love the way he strikes a ball. I don't know if you saw the kind of free kick uh, video that, again, from the preseason tour. He just connects so sweet right into the top end a couple of times in a row. 
He looks just a proper kind of natural technician. I'm pretty sure we're going to get a few worldies off him this season. And I love a guy that can do that. You know, we haven't, obviously Chamberlain had that sort of in the locker, but he never really, you know, was in the team long enough to consistently do it. It's not really been since Gerard that we've had a guy like pumping those in, you know, the 30 yarders. And I, I, I mean, as a fan, it, there's just nothing better than a guy that can unleash those. So I'm I'm super excited to to see him do that. And I, I think he will a couple of times this season at least. Yeah, I, I agree. I am genuinely, genuinely excited to to watch these two. Like you say, with McAllister, even like the reaction around the camp, as you say, that Jota was asked about him in that interview and his face just lit up because he normally doesn't get too excited about too much Jota, but, you know, he just enjoyed talking about it, how he's a striker's dream. We've seen the um, the Inside Liverpool video clips where you've had, you know, Jürgen sort of cheering, calling out his name and even just the, the link-up play. And even today, I haven't always seen that Liverpool midfielder for such a long time who almost just does everything so well from a technical point of view. We've, we've really almost been missing that, maybe is the right phrase, for, for so long. There's so much to be excited about. But what I also love is the contrast with Zaboslai. It's the the physical element, like you say, that pressing, that running power, almost a, a proper athlete, so to speak. Combined, though, we're not just because you know, I don't want to limit him that way, the striking of the ball, like you say, the free kick. And I mean, just, just over the halfway line, he nearly chipped the keeper today, didn't he? That he's got that kind of, that confidence, that impudence to do it. You just get a feeling that even if he's not sort of playing as he could do, you know, he has that adaptation, he could just wrap one in the top corner, any yeah. minute type of thing, which excites you at the same time. Or we get a free kick on the edge of the area. And I know people are going to say who takes them, blah, blah, blah. Let's just be clear on this. I love Trent. I love Salah. But they've got about four free kicks in about five years between them. Whereas Zaboslai has a highlight reel of set pieces, doesn't he? So you would hope he gets first dibs, as it were, so to speak, on a lot of them. But so excited about these two. It's been a while yeah, since I, I've I think Zaboslai's ceiling is enormous. I really do. Like I like what I see right now. You know, the, the guy that we've signed, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him now. But th- there's something in him, even above McAllister. You know, I think McAllister's kind of playing at his level. I don't think there's like a, a, a huge space for him to grow into. And that's fine because he's already doing a great job. But I think Zaboslai has just a really high ceiling. You know, I think because he's so technically strong and he's quick and he's got the physique... He, I just think kind of the, the, the sky is the limit for him. You know, I think he could literally do anything if he if he continues to develop the way he has the last few years. I, I think he's got all the tools to be to be like a a Steven Gerrard, a Kevin De Bruyne. You know, that kind of attacking eight that can just score, assist, run games. You know, do, just do the lot essentially. I'm so so excited to kind of watching that develop over over this year and you know his entire Liverpool career really. Yeah, it is really exciting to see how they do. And speaking of young midfielders that we, well, except this one doesn't actually belong to us yet, but we have been talking about Romeo Lavia for the last, you know, 500 years, it seems realistically, throughout July. So I'm careful how I say this one, because it, it looks likely, and I'm saying that with a massive caveat next to it with everything that's going on at the moment. I'm also noting that if it does happen, yes, you would be, equalising on the predictions we've had between us. Not that anyone's really singing about how well we've done, but that is a fair point to make. I suppose, Christ, again, this seems to have gone on forever a bit like Fabinho, but 
does your gut tell you this one gets done? I, I think it has to. That's the thing. I think like we're, we're running out of time. There aren't too many obvious options. We've bidded twice already, so we're clearly very keen. I can't really see a world where we don't go and get this done. We need to get it done, really. I mean, we had uh, Trent playing defensive midfield in the first two friendlies, and Jones started there today. I thought he did quite well there, to be honest. But it isn't where he plays. We don't have a recognisable one. Bajetic isn't going to make the start of the season. doesn't look like Thiago will either. We really are short in, uh, in options there. I think not only do they need to get it done, they need to get it done now. They need to get it done so he at least gets some pre-season something in. Um, I, yeah, I, I can't see a world in which they don't get that done. They, they have to. They really do. They have to. Yeah, and, and and listen, it's all speculation. No one knows for definite, but there's been um, rumours that Chelsea are lurking again, hasn't there, that type of thing. I actually I have to say a couple of things. I, I agree with number one, they have to get it done. Number two, it looks embarrassing if you don't get it done because you've known the price. It's, you know, it's, it's the worst kept secret that Southampton are looking for around the £50 million mark with the City clause coming in next year, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just been that they, they've known this. They've been linked with it. It's taken them months, let's be honest. And, and again, I understand part of that is looking at other targets and other signings, but it's taken them months, it seems, to, to finally make this bid, which was, you know, typical low-ball Liverpool. People expecting to meet in the middle from 37 to 50, naturally, as, as these things happen. But it will be embarrassing if it doesn't get done. And at the, at the other sense that if you go back into July, the names we were being linked with, I mean, some of them were bobbins, weren't they, in those articles, like Calvin Phillips. I mean, journos must have been embarrassed writing those names, you know, that they've yeah. been briefed by the football club, that type of thing. But... The key ones, we have to say at the same time, we know there was serious interest in the likes of Decore at Crystal Palace and all those types of things. Those names, even, you know, the Turams, the Kones, they appear to have gone really silent, is where it feels like all the eggs are in the lava your basket, so to speak. So I think it has to get done. Otherwise, we're scrambling. We are in a weaker position because people know with Fab and Hendo going, we need players in, but... It has to happen. It, to be honest, if it's not happened by this time next week, I don't know about you, I'm starting to get concerned with Chelsea around the corner, put it that way. Yeah, I think it'll start to take over, you know, in the sort of Twitter sphere. I think it'll 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 become the main point of conversation. It'll take over from pre-season. It'll start to it'll start to affect things, I think, if they don't get it done. They really have to go and do that. Um I, I think personally the reason it is kind of going so slowly and they're kind of lowballing is I think they still know that one isn't enough, really. You know, just getting a DM is not enough, which I think is why we're not after like a Caicedo or someone like that, because I don't think we can afford to do a Caicedo and someone else. So I, I tend to think they're trying to like stretch the pennies, you know, as far as they possibly can. And I think they see, you know, if you can get Lavi in for 45, then maybe that does leave a Turam or someone available, you know, at, at a similar price to that, another 45 or whatever. And you've got two instead of, Instead of a Kai Sado, two kind of high ceiling players as well. Um, two young guys who are going to kind of fit this new, new look Liverpool, this new kind of, you know, yeah, yeah this kind of new young fit Liverpool. Um, so I, I, I tend to think that's what's behind it. The, the idea that one isn't enough. If it was just a case of one, I mean, maybe we would stretch to someone, you know, someone like a Kai Sado. 
Um, but I think they really are just trying to stretch the funds, you know, as far as they can this summer. Yeah, and you, you try, it sounds terrible, but it's the way we've been with recent years. We try not to uh, dream too much because we've had that throughout the summer, haven't we? Especially at what happened at the start of the summer or what didn't happen with a player going to Real Madrid. And you try not to let your mind wander to, you mentioned Caicedo, that's been the obvious one that I think would change us. And the other one that seemed to just kept coming up and now looks dead in the water was the Colwell situation, wasn't it, at Chelsea? So yeah. you try not to dream too much, shall we say, knowing how Liverpool work. And it's not always a disaster, because like you said, I think if, if it was, say, Lavia and Turam, I think most fans would be pretty damn excited with that, you know, as it sort of an end into the window. But I'm going to ask you this honestly, and I'm going to ask you it in terms of, with your head, knowing how the bean counters work at Anfield, FSG, all those types of things, we're literally on the verge of August, which I know the window closes on like the, the 1st, the 2nd of September, but it's pretty much the final month of the transfer window. I've got a fair idea of what you want because we've been through that pod many a time, but <laughs> do you expect anyone else realistically and naturally position who... What does your gut tell you? Yeah, I mean, so I, I think the ideal scenario is three. You get the center, the left-sided centre-back, a defensive midfielder, and another kind of box-to-boxy midfielder, a two-ram, if you will. That's the absolute ideal. I think the, the, the bare minimum that must be achieved is a defensive midfielder. We cannot go into a season without signing one. And then the middle ground is, I think, getting two of the midfielders and not the centre-back. Um, with with a gun to my head, I tend to think because it's taking so long and we're leaving it so late that we're just going to get the one. I think we're going to end up with Lavia only, which I think you'd have to say would be disappointing all in all. It, not enough, essentially, considering the just the sheer numbers that have gone. Um, but that that that's maybe a pessimistic view. I think... I'm kind of cautious when it comes to FSG and spending because we just are so often let down and these kind of late in the window signings aren't really our forte. We don't like to overpay. You know, if if we can't get the deal done for the right money, we tend not to do it. Uh, and as the window goes on, you know, the, the it becomes a kind of seller's game. You 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 know that the the buyer's kind of running out of time and you get to pump your price up a little bit and we just tend not to play that game. So to kind of to answer, I guess I think I think one is the is the way I see that going. What do you think? Wow, Christ! I knew you're a pessimist here, but I didn't realize you're on that much of a downer for Sunday night. But fair enough. If you think it's yeah. one, it's one. It's this, and I mean this. Use that number three. I really see literally three tiers to it. As in one is the absolute bare minimum, but it's still pathetic, really, to me, if we just get one, having shipped out two senior midfielders as well. And if you think, as you said, we got Zabozlai in on the 1st of July. So do you know what I mean? To have then shipped two midfielders after that and only get one in is, you know, it's pretty pathetic for me. So that's the sort of first level. Two, I think, I see two personally as the bare minimum. And I kind of swither between this a bit, as in, yeah, what's the specs going to be Lavia is in a a number six holding midfielder, whatever you want to call it. Again, I, I can I can sway either way between a left-sided centre-back or a left-sided defender. You know, even if it's a right full-back, I could live with that. Or yeah. another midfielder, like you said, 
a Turan. That is what I would say is the bare minimum. And as in, there's two going now, there should be two coming in, and you get younger legs. Even if it was two midfielders, like we said, Lavia and Turan, you then look at the midfield and go, that's now got serious legs, energy, all the things you're looking for. You know, uh, that would be the bare minimum. Yeah, Three. I you covered the uh, the uh, press conference yesterday, and I thought his his quotes about Milner were quite interesting. I thought because it seemed yeah. like only going for these young lads, but I thought what he was getting at there was kind of the you know these experienced guys to come on and shut games out that we basically rid ourselves of all of them, and that that's actually an important you know asset for a team to have that kind of late game experience. Um, so. I found that interesting. I thought maybe maybe he's hinting there. Either he's he's kind of making a political point because he wanted to keep Milner that was kind of well publicised, or he is actually saying we're we're going to be in the market for someone in that kind of in that mould. You know, a guy that that will come in just add a bit of experience to the squad, um, and maybe we can you know use that experience late in games, shut games out, um, even just come on and bit of aggression into the team or whatever. Um, did you think that? Did you think he was kind of hinting at that? I actually think he was hinting, I said it on the transfer show, at something different. I think what he was telling you was, Henderson, if you go through the, the facts of, of what we know, and we, you know, you always, people will twist facts to suit the theories and all that, but he had the chat with Jordan Henderson, we know that. Henderson got ripped in pre-season, we know that too. They have the chat, it's quite clear, you know, as it's been said, that, Henderson was told, you know, not necessarily going to be a starter, very much going to manage your minutes, however you want to phrase it, next season. Now, based on what's kind of developed in Klopp's press conference yesterday, what I'm surmising from it, my gut is that Henderson was going to become Milner this season, as in less minutes, coming on at key points, still still playing probably more than Milner does right, you know, did last season anyway, I should say, but Henderson was going to become the Milner, as in key experience there, when it's needed, you know, to do things in the right way during games, manage games out if you would. Now he's lost that. That that is honestly how I took it. And also, if he does see it that way, for me personally, in, in the numbers game, three now seems fanciful at best, you know, because of the time, the pace, he seems to be doing things as well. But the one I just get, it's just in my gut a little bit. I think there'll be this almost, just a phlegm of regret almost, so to speak, if we don't get two midfielders and a left-sided defender because it's not a massive amount to ask, it really isn't. We shouldn't have to go to this begging ball with FSG all the time with the money we've saved on wages and all those types of things. And to, I don't know about you, but two midfielders and a good left-sided defender it just feels like we challenge, if you know what I mean. I don't know if you agree, but that's just where I think we're almost just Liverpool. We always just sell ourselves short, if that makes sense a little bit. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think we are, it feels that close. You know, It feels like we're that close. We've still got these guys in their peak, the Salas and the Van Dykes, and we're not going to have, well, maybe not peak, but you know what I mean? They're still there. They're still world-class. I, I still... I still think it's going to be a shame if we don't capitalise on that, you know, because in two years' time, they won't be. And it's really hard to get guys on that level. Your Allisons, your Van Dykes, your Salas. Um, so it, it just feels a little bit, and even Klopp, you know, to lose Klopp eventually, um, 
have this kind of aching that we're we're gonna let it all go by you know and never never hit another big one and it feels like it just wouldn't take that much to get us back there kind of thing so just kind of frustration and willing them to go and spend that little bit more um I I personally if they get two midfielders I'll I think that's good enough I think that is good enough if you got two Ram and Lavia I think like I couldn't really have hoped for much better on the rebuild I, I would individually love all of the signings the age bracket the the kind of physicality that we will have brought back into the side I think like a left-sided centre-back would of course be great but it sounds like the profile they're looking for is kind of a young one anyway so I don't really see them coming in and starting all the time based on that kind of profiling so I think the midfield one's kind of the more important one just for for, for kind of depth, you know, for for if if say Sabozlai or McAllister go down injured, we're going to be back to a similar situation that we were last year, except we don't have the depth to do it this time. I, I think we really do critically need two more midfielders, really. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, it, it is a tough one. And we could, we could debate this all day because there's a lot of points, good points on both sides. But you think one more... I think two more. So again, we'll come back to that and see where we are at the end of August on the next one. And probably the biggest topic that, I don't know how to put this, Jurgen Klopp kind of threw a cat amongst the pigeons yesterday in his press conference is in the captain side, the leadership group. Because we think historically, obviously, when he came in, we knew Hendo was retaining the role. So it kind of, there was an assumption that when Klopp said, you know, the the guys pick the leadership group, they tell me, you know, I extended it to six, all those types of things. There was almost an inference that, you know, Jurgen Klopp lets his players pick and they have to say. However, and, and that's been an assumption because of Hendo being there for so long, but now he's gone. Jurgen Klopp was asked about it direct by James Pearce. It was right out the gate yesterday. It was a great question. And he honestly said, I have chosen, I just haven't told the players yet and he also talked when he was asked about the leadership group as in yeah it's a natural choice which naturally sparks people's minds doesn't it hold on what's the natural choice you know hold on how come you're picking hold on why aren't the players getting a say in this you know it is that all changed but then again maybe just historically we've been reading too much into it because hendos continue i mean VVD was there. He was in the press conference yesterday and he looked a little bit sheepish, a little bit awkward, especially when he got asked the question, that type of thing. He seems to be the most obvious and the most natural one to take the armband. Do you think it's going to be him? 
I do think it's going to be him. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely do think it's going to be him. But I, I did find all of that that you just described about Klopp kind of saying that he's taking the vote away from the players, that he's decided it's going to be his choice. Um, the the kind of natural progression lines, uh, I don't know, maybe an odd one because to me, he, he's kind of building up this this kind of rumor mill around it. This kind of what does he mean? What does he mean? When it isn't necessary, because if he'd said, you know, if he'd just nipped it in the bud immediately, it feels like Van Dyke was just the obvious choice, and that would have already happened, kind of thing. So I think the fact that it hasn't happened, the fact that he's saying, "I'm going to tell the players," it feels like quite a big announcement, almost. You know, where I feel like announcing Van Dyke could have been more seamless than that. You know, just just a, a genuine progression. You know, like he's been in that position below Henderson and Milner for years now. He he seems like the obvious one that would have just taken it. So it, it might just be reading too much into it, but I, I feel like there is something odd about the way Klopp's kind of going about that. Um, and again, the players, if they voted, it seems really obvious that they would vote for Verge because it's them who put him in this position in the first place and the two above him have gone. You know, unless yeah. unless something drastic has changed, it just feels like that would be the obvious player's vote. So why isn't he allowing that to happen? It's like he has a different idea. And if he does have a different idea, it's hard to imagine what that would be because I can't really see him pulling it off Virgil and giving it to like maybe an Allison or a Salah because they're kind of in the same age bracket. And I don't really know why he would kind of throw the cat amongst the pigeons like that for a like for like kind of change if you will the the only one that to me if you wanted to go like in a really different direction and and kind of like right we're a new team now and you know this is going to be the the face of the new team would be Trent you know the the kind of young scouser supremely talented obviously and I think there always has been a feel that maybe one day that is in Trent's future um so I would say that's the only realistic alternative um, if he wants to go that way, you know, and kind of rebirth the team properly. Uh, but ultimately, I think he's just going to go for, I think he's going to go for Virgil. It, it seems the obvious choice, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I really can't see it any other way. I mean, on top of those points you said, we're, we're talking about established figure in world football and national team captain, you know, known known throughout the game type of things. Is is a leader, Realistically, that that's fair to say is you know it's a, it's just a natural, easy step up. The one thing I would say, I just I kind of got a vibe from him, and again, it's a vibe. So there's nothing in it necessarily, but with everything that's happened, he taught he used the word change a lot in the press conference as well. This maybe just feels like I need to take control of this. I need to be the ultimate leader, so to speak, you know, and really guide it, you know the club through this, which is what, you know, what Jurgen Klopp is, is the leader of the football club. So he maybe sees that as part of it. The the one thing about, yeah, Trent, and I did want to come on to this because for me, and this has always just been my gut about it, when the players have picked the leadership group, which I understand, I don't want to disrespect any of them there because a lot of them are, you know, legends of the club, but how the hell most Salah isn't in the leadership group still baffles me beyond belief. It really has done for a while, but, you know, maybe that's a different discussion. I, suppose- no, I, think, you're, I, I think you're dead on for that. I mean, I just mentioned him there as as a captain alternative. How he's not even in the group at all is just madness. I mean, you get two kind of captains, really, don't you? You get the kind of 
lead by example or the kind of lead vocally, you know, lead um, in your, with your character rather than your kind of ability. And in the in the former one, I mean, there there just isn't a better example of a lead by example guy than Mo Salah. I mean, you know, what is he like six years at the club or whatever now, five years at the club, and he's been relentlessly brilliant the entire time. He's in those big moments over a couple of the years when he's put out, you know, those kind of inspirational, right, we can do this, it's not over, we're going to do it for you kind of tweets. Real captain material, all of that. I, uh, I think it's a sin that he's, not, uh, that he's not found his way into that leadership group, and I'm sure they're going to rectify that this season. Well, it's going to lead me to my question, and I'm going to give you one of those ones that you hate. So you're just going to give me names. You're not going to be able to give me full context. So... Here's the two-part question coming your way, Mark. Jurgen Klopp described this leadership group as the natural choice. So, the two-part question. Who is going to be in this leadership group? And who, as almost a separate role, if we're all agreeing it's the same, who is going to be Virgil van Dijk's and Liverpool's vice-captain? Just the names, not your context. We've heard enough. Just <laughs> give me your names. For the leadership group, I think it'll be Trent, VVD, Robbo, Allison, and Salah, five of them. And for vice captain, oh, I'm going to go Trent. I'm going to go Trent. I think, uh, well, no context, but I'm going to go Trent. I kind of, I do like that. There is a, there's a sexiness to that name, isn't there? Like a new feel, and I get it, but no context. So, spookily <laughs> enough, spookily enough, that is my leadership group as well as VVD. I had Robbo, Allison, Seller, and Trent. And, and to be honest, after that, with all the changes, maybe in a good way, it's all kind of players coming in and younger breeds. It was hard to really put anyone else into it. So that's maybe what Jurgen Klopp means. It, it went from four. Then it went to six, and now it makes sense to put it back to these five who are senior players, if you want. Maybe that's what he means. Who knows? My vice-captain, Alison. Yeah, I think Alison would be a great choice as the vice-captain. He would be probably my choice as vice-captain. But I just do think there has to be a progression for Trent, you know, into into the position as captain. And I think if you put Alisson as vice-captain, I mean, I suppose it can just pass over him when the time comes, but I, I feel like the progression for Trent with Virgil's age is about perfect. You know, that by the time he falls out the side or is, you know, or leaves the club, Trent will be a couple of years older, it'll be 27-ish. Uh, you would think 26, 27 by the time that happens and kind of the perfect age to take over the captaincy full time. So that was kind of, that was kind of the thought process there. And I, 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 listen, I love all that. I, I can't disagree. And there's the sexiness, you know, stepping up like Stevie did and that type of thing. I, I agree with all of that. The only thing that kind of had me uh, on Alison, and again, I kind of swithered a bit is there's been a lot of change and he's an ultimate figure of stability the other things is he's lost all his Jesus pals, hasn't he? All his Brazilians. So, you know, he's a bit short on people to sing his hymns and things like the that. The barbecue right? gang. Yeah, exactly. The barbecue gang are a bit short. So hopefully like Darwin and Alexis are coming round for a bit of shawarma or, you know, 
things on the grill type of thing. So that that just, you know, the only concern was that kind of keeps him happy as well a little bit. And he is a natural leader. You know, he's a, he's a world football figure at the same time. So he is, listen, if I was picking from scratch and it wouldn't rock the boat, you know, if no one's feelings would be hurt and you were just picking on pure credentials, Alisson would actually be my captain for Liverpool. I think he, he ticks all of the boxes because Virgil's form has been kind of in and out. Allison is as senior as anyone, as good as anyone. He's uh, he's kind of proven it over years. He's, he's taken to kind of being a Liverpool player in a way I didn't really expect somehow. I really think he is like a proper custodian for the club. It, just the way he carries himself and, and everything, you know, in the in these pre-season tours and every single game, he seems a leader. I, th- I think he is a very, very natural leader. Let's be honest, we're pretty blessed with leaders in our team. I mean, Robertson's the Scotland captain. Van Dijk's obviously the Dutch captain. Salah's a clear leader. You've got Alisson. I mean, uh, Trent as a kind of young scouser coming through. That is a real proper leadership kind of pack. I mean, that's half a starting lineup that are all potential captains. Yeah, absolutely. I can't disagree with any of that. And Obviously, Alison, listen, we're both straight white males, but he's a sexy bastard with that beard as well. <laughs> Literally, he's got the model family as well, hasn't he? Like three kids. I mean, for God's sake, his wife is a model and a doctor at the same yeah, time. Yeah. Works for the World, World, Health, World Health Organization. It's a real like, fuck off, mate. You're not making any of us feel good. Yeah, and you know he's hung like a racehorse as well. But aside from that, <laughs> we will take any of them in our leadership group. So we will see what happens there. And listen, I mean, we've got to talk about it. We are right on the verge of the season. And if there's one thing we do horrendously, it's this mark on this pod. What do we do horrendously every time, pretty much? Predict. Yeah, we are pretty average at best at predictions, but... When we get them right, we crow like mad. So, with the season literally about to start, a couple of things I've got to ask you. The Chelsea game. I mean, for God's sake, the Chelsea game is two... By this time in two weeks, we'll have played Chelsea. How scary is that? The fact yeah, that's that mad. Just about mad. have gone two weeks. Obviously, I don't know who's going to come in before there. Your, you know, your guess is as good as mine. But not what you want... I think this is more important, especially with what we're trying to deduce from the pre-season. Who do you think right now, subject to injuries, et cetera, et cetera, who starts against Chelsea? Yeah, so, I mean, I I think basically, even if someone comes in, I think who we've got now is who is going to play against Chelsea. I think we've left it too too late to kind of integrate someone else. So I think... uh, the first sort of thing is the the formation will play, isn't it? And I I I don't know if you kind of watched it closely today. I I kind of think first half we played more of our traditional four three three. In the second half, it looked like we went more into the the kind of box system. But actually, with the left back being the one that stepped in, it Simicast seemed to have like a little bit more free reign to kind of step up into the midfield. I don't know if uh, I don't know if that was just me seeing that, but that was that was my read on it. Um, we've mostly played with the kind of the right back stepping into midfield in preseason so far. So I do think that'll largely be the formation we play, but I would think away at the bridge, we're going to see more of a traditional 4-3-3 here. Uh, and if we do, I expect that to be the back five, you know, that that, that are kind of nailed on now as our starting back five, which is Alison Trent, Kanati, Van Dyke, and Robertson. Then it gets a bit more interesting. Um 
I thought Jones did well enough today. I expect he'll probably start in the defensive midfield position when uh, when that game comes. And I think that actually suits us in a in a roundabout way because I think Klopp would like to be loyal to him. I just get that feeling because he he ended the season so well and we've signed guys kind of in his position that are going to expect to play and probably should play. So I think the fact that he can kind of shoehorn him in there is a nice kind of appeaser for for Jones. So I expect him to play there. Uh, I think with with uh, Bajic and Thiago unlikely to make it, I, I would expect you're just going to see McAllister and Sabozlai take the the other two midfield slots. Um, Gakpo kind of is the only potential alternative in there. And then the forward line's actually become the hardest one to predict. Going into the summer, I was pretty certain Diaz, Gakpo, Salah was the nailed-on front three for the new season. And pre-season so far has has gone a long way to change my mind there because I think Jota's looked really good and Darwin has probably been the pick of the entire squad in pre-season. So it makes it very difficult. Salah's the only one that's nailed on for me and the other two, it's virtually a flick of a coin at this stage. I think Darwin's going to be really hard to drop generally, but I think because it's away at the bridge, Gakpo maybe just looks after the ball a little bit better. I think uh, I think I'll probably just lean to him and say Salah Gakpo, and then between Jota and Diaz again, it's almost a flick of a coin. But I just get the feeling with the way Klopp's picking the teams in preseason that he's leaning Jota. So I'll I'll go there. What do you think? Yeah, again, there's there's been some there's some nailed on, like you say, and there's some swithering again. I mean. The, the back five, if you want to call it that, of Alisson, Trent, Ibu, VVD, Robbo, I think that that's nailed in stone barring injury. That's not at all remotely difficult to predict. Midfield-wise, I do think the two new boys, for obvious reasons, you know, get, get in there for, you know, the physicality for Zabozlai and the pressing for Mark Allister and his experienced technical side. I do think Curtis Jones will be in there and that's whether you play this variation of 4-3-3, that, the hybrid, the box. I, I wouldn't be surprised because I was going to say I agree with you on what I saw today. I think you saw both at different periods, if I'm honest, you know, that yeah. they flitted between them and you might see that as well, dependent on the opponent. So I think McAllister, Zabozlai and Jones will start forwards. This is fascinating because like you said, Salah's nailed on. So it's just two, you know, or four for the final two, as it were. I would say from what I'm seeing pre-season and Klopp again today talked about, you know, you root into this team. He actually said, and I changed his word there, he said it a few times last season and today, your ticket into this team is pressing and defending from the front. He must have said that about a dozen times in the last six months. Now, on that basis and from what I'm seeing, Jota is outstripping Diaz by some distance at the moment for being pre-season and what I'm seeing, especially from the, not just the goals, but the pressing element as well. Now, that doesn't mean Luis Diaz has become a bad player or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but Jota, the way he's pressing, the way he's looking a threat, you know, linking that way. I I do think he's his, the shirt's his on the left-hand side at the moment, personally. That's how I see it. In the middle, this is a real toss-up. And I probably agree with you. If the first fixture was Bournemouth at home, Nunes starts it for me. Yeah, spot on. However, yeah. however, and it's Chelsea away at the bridge. 
And Cody Gappo, who, as we've we've talked about as well, has dropped deep. And I can't remember, it was the other day, wasn't it? He played uh, against Gritter Firth, however they pronounce. Played the eight, didn't he, at times as well. So Yeah, and played it well. Yeah, absolutely. As in, let's be honest, Cody Gappo, the closest thing we can replicate to Bobby Firmino right now. So he will start for me, as in, if he needs to, especially with that three not having a, a natural six amongst them, he just drops a little deeper, doesn't he, to give a bit of extra help, protection, cover, however you want to describe it. So Salah, Gappo, Jota for me. And do you know what? That's not a bad thing because then you look at the bench if you change it. Christ, you've got Darwin Nunes and Luis Diaz coming on. Do you know what I mean? We've got yeah, game changers on the bench. So, you know, I, I am, I, we'd love a six before Chelsea, but if you look at the way Chelsea are in flux, very similar to us, to be honest, Chelsea. A lot of old players going out, like Kante and Kovacic. A lot of youngsters coming in. Yes, we haven't quite got a mental owner like Todd Bowley, but at the same time, very similar. But I'm happy with that lineup, if that makes sense. You know, I, I really am. And yeah, I, I mean, having a new midfield makes me a little nervous. But, I mean, all in all, I, I, I think that's a pretty strong place to start the season from. And like you said, I mean, there's potential that your bench is looking like Thiago, Lavia, Matip, uh, Diaz, Nunes. I mean, that that is a wicked strong bench. It would like Kelleher, you know, like in every every position, there won't be many teams in the league that that subs are as strong as that. Kind of compared to the starting lineup, I think uh, that despite us being quite light over the you know over the the broader number of the squad, that that is a really really strong six seven on the bench. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN Make sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And whilst it's like you said, the, the mat- all those uh, sort of defensive substitutions or options are important, when you look at the bench, you always look at Game changes, that's the phrase I use, isn't it? So, like you said, Nunes, Diaz, Christ knows about Thiago because we've got no reports on him type of thing. But even, you know, as, as an option, potentially, Harvey Elliott can make things happen as well. So, sure, yeah, yeah I, I'm all right with that in that regard. So, Ben Doak as well might, might find himself amongst the, the subs. Yeah, absolutely. Would not surprise me at any time this season if we need something to happen and, you know, just bring chaos, don't go and run at them happens. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. So we'll be interesting to see Christ. Even as I'm saying it, two weeks time, where has the time gone? Summer is nearly over. So 
<laughs> we are coming to our final segment, mate. And we'll do it a bit quicker fire as well, because I'll give you context on a few, because I know you won't be able to live without it. But there's a few we should be sort of rattling through these, I fancy, times ticking. So it's finishing position. It's prediction time, mate. So Premier League... Where are we going to finish in the Premier League based on what you think now? I'm, I'm between two, basically, second or third, essentially, because, and it's really going to come down to that signing, I think, you know, that defensive midfielder. It's, it is still like a really critical thing we have to get right. And uh, I think if we do get it right, we should still be the runners up for me. Um if we don't quite get it right, and it, you know, if it is a really young guy and he, they go through difficult spells or whatever, I can still see us shipping a lot of goals, kind of like you alluded to earlier, and having to outscore a lot of teams. And I think just over the course of the season, that might just see us dropping, you know, some unnecessary points here and there. Um, I'm very confident we'll get back in the top four. I think that's kind of the most important thing this season. We have to, we have to nail ourselves back in there and kind of put ourselves back amongst it. Uh, I'm a little bit positive in that City haven't done much this season. It's not beyond them to have kind of one wobbly season, you know, here and there. Um, it, it would be interesting to see, you know, if we can get it right and they they aren't quite there. You know, I don't think it's beyond us to have a challenge. Yeah, it, it's... It's not beyond us, but as I was thinking, like City, they're probably going to drop the cash on Gavardial any second, aren't they? And that'll be like, yeah. Christ, there's the, there's the defender everyone in the world wants type of thing, including us. He's a Reds fan, but he's gone to them. I, I am kind of of the same mind. I think second or third, and it does depend on what midfield and def- or if defensive enforcements come in that way. Because like you said, I think the goals will take us right there, but if we don't get more midfield cover, you know, physicality in there, especially a specialist six, as it were, you know there's going to be one of those games where we're going to look back and go, how the Christ did we draw 3-3 with Bournemouth when we had about 26 shots on goal? You know, we're one of those where we always have their opposition keeper has an absolute worldie and we give away some crappy goals. You just know, you just know, unless we get the right reinforcements in, that's going to be in our locker a bit. So, I'm like you, second or third. If I had to predict now with no one, no one in the door, I'd say third. But I suspect I'll go neck on the line, second there as well. Now I'll go third for the for the record. Okay, so Mark third, Dave second. That'll be an interesting one. A long time to wait for that one. Maybe <laughs> more more interestingly, if we're not going to get the league, any cups this season. Yeah, I actually think we, we stand a really good chance of uh, the Europa League. I don't think we'll take it quite as seriously, you know, in the early stages. That I, I think it offers like a really good opportunity for some guys to kind of bed in, the younger guys uh, to get some minutes in the legs of some guys that, that won't be getting as many in the, in the Prem. But I do think uh, as long as we can kind of get over that early bit where we aren't as focused on it and get ourselves into the knockout rounds... I still think we're a pretty elite side and I don't think there'll be anyone in that tournament as good as us. So if you look at it kind of on that simple basis, we should really go and win that for me. Yeah, it, it's the one I'm excited about. It's it's the one Klopp hasn't won. Obviously, you know, we had that severe in his first sort of European final in his first season that 
sort of great first half and disaster. Dublin as well, you know, the atmosphere, what that'll be like as well. Just, you know, it'll just be a sea of red as well in Dublin at the same time. So I do fancy the Europa so strongly. I mean, it's, I'm being honest now, if someone gave it to me, would you take second in the Europa win right now? I'd snatch your hand off for it because I do think, you know, it, it's too big an ask to go from fifth to first overtaking a city and playing Thursday and Sunday as well. We know the impact that has. It does catch up with most teams eventually, doesn't it? So I do think Europa, but second in Europa, what a season that would be for me. That would be yeah, like... That would kind of light the spark again, wouldn't it? That would put us back, you know, into the, okay, this team can go places, can do things. And we will have already done the major surgery on it by then, you know, so it really will be a tweak it at that stage, you know, to, to bump ourselves up just that final notch to, to to go and try and win the league again and try and win the Champions League again. I think that would be a, a pretty magnificent season to second in Europa League. I mean, like you said, snatch your hand off for that. Yeah, it would be something, but we'll see. Now, the forwards. I do want to talk about the forwards because that's the big area. That's the sexy area. We've got five who seem to be fit and firing at the moment. Touchwood, cross everything. It stays that way. Talking about their numbers. Now, I'll, I'll make this a yes and no answer, and we'll see where we go. I think it's going to be a yes, but Mo Salah for top scorer again? Yes, yeah, nice and easy one. So, if we both agree that Mo Salah is going to be the top scorer, I'm not going to give you full context again, Mark, for tournaments and all this. How do the other four rank in goal scoring numbers? As in, who's the second highest, the third highest, down to who will notch the least out of those names? What are you going for? I'm going to go Darwin... Oh, it's so tough, that next one. Uh, I, I think Diaz will be bottom. And it's between Gakpo and Jota for those other two. I think they will be so close. I think I'll go narrowly Gakpo, then Jota. Wow, wow. See, I've gone Salah, Darwin. I do think he'll be second. I, I kind of thought about those two. The way I see it... and. It's pretty distinct, but to simplify it, Gakpo's a better player, Jota's a better goal scorer, to be honest, more of a natural finisher. So I went Jota third, Gakpo fourth. And maybe it's interesting eh, that we both have Luis Diaz fifth. And I'll be honest, I don't know about you, when I thought about it, he was one of the easiest to fill in at fifth. Was he easy for you to do that way in a disappointing He, he was as easy as picking Salah first. It was... Uh... It is quite a fall from grace, that really, because I think going into last season, I was as excited about Diaz as I was anything in the squad. I thought he was going to explode last season. I really did. Um, obviously, the injury had a massive impact on, on his season. But even when he came back, I just wasn't quite feeling it. I just thought he was kind of maybe making some of the wrong choices. Doesn't quite seem to take his chances the way I'd like him to. Um, the other lads all in their own right I mean you know Darwin's been kind of you know he's had his critics he's still got 15 goals and I think if we're honest we'd have to call bordering a poor season for him and he's still got 15 goals so like I, I really think 
25 is a, a, a super achievable number for Darwin this season. If you told me Diaz was going to get anywhere near that, I just wouldn't be having that. You know, no chance. I just don't think he's got that in him. I think Diaz, if he hits double figures, I'll be pleased with that, I think. Where Jota and Gakpo, I think their kind of ceiling is above that. Again, I think in all comps, if if those two were setting themselves a high bar, they'd be looking at 20 each, I think, as a high bar, you know, for the season, if for it all to go well. Um, I just don't. I don't see that even possible for Diaz. I really, really don't. Yeah, it is a it is a fascinating one. Again, it could, sometimes for me it comes down to the player against the you know the the goal scoring instinct. Like you said, Nunes is there. You feel to be a poacher with like what we're seeing, so it's an obvious second. Again, I still stick by Gakpo is a better player. Jota is a far better goal scorer, especially with his head again, as you saw today where he gets in that natural instinct. So that's why I fancy him. Plus, the one thing you've got to give Diogo to is he has a 20-goal season for Liverpool under his belt, hasn't he, in the Premier League? Ooh, yeah, true, yeah. I guess the other thing is, like you said, there's four players for two positions, essentially. So I think the thing that will answer that question of who scores the most will be who plays the most, ultimately. Because, you know, if Jota finds himself out the team for a period of time, it's just going to be much more difficult to to match Gakpo's numbers if he's playing, for example, or Darwin's numbers if he's playing. Yeah, indeed. And as well, the competitions, because you never know. You could say, oh, he's going to end up in the Europa League. But if he's playing the Lithuanian version of Teletext on a Thursday night, he could get himself a hat-trick type of thing as well, couldn't he? So, you know, competition will be the element. The the only thing that sprung me on Diaz, and this is sort of one of the questions I wanted to ask about him specifically, because I thought he would come up this way. He was linked with that bid, wasn't he? Al-Hilal, 50 million that Liverpool turned down. And a lot of people said, yeah, of course, we're not taking 50 million from it. I agree with that. I completely agree with that. However, I don't know about you, I wanted them to come back with something like, not that I'd take this, don't get me wrong, I'd want more, but I wanted them to come back with 75 million or so, you know, to start a conversation. Because yeah. I don't know about you, but to be honest with me, I was thinking he's got talent, pace, dribbling, all these things. I'm not trying to dig him out, but I'm not sure his final numbers are going to be what Liverpool thought they would be or they're looking for. So I just thought if he could drive that up, you know, it's something like 80 million or something like that came on the table. I thought they should be having a see. It doesn't look like it's going to happen as I'm saying this, I know, but I would have thought about 80 million, like we should be having a serious conversation with Jurgen Klopp at the player. Did did you see it that way? Or yeah, I mean, it, it makes me uncomfy, the idea, you know, because it, it, I, I just don't like, sit, like I have no problem with selling your Hendersons and your Fabinho's that we've, we've kind of had our, uh, we, we've had our goal with, you know, and we've kind of, we've had the best of them. Um, it's different selling a, a Diaz because, you know, there's still potential for him to bang. You know, if he did go and have a bang season, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world, would it? I mean, he's got immense talent. He's so fast, takes men on brilliantly. His goal the other day was superb, really was. Took it early, bent it right into the bottom corner. There's loads there. I think he has got immense potential. Um, so it makes me uncomfy, the idea of letting him go. But 80 million is a lot. And Liverpool have kind of proven they can do a lot with that money, you know. And if you could go and get, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe the lad from Napoli or one of these guys for a similar number, 
I think you'd have to think about that, wouldn't you? Or even maybe get like a cheaper version, um, so more someone like that from Brighton, and then execute the rest of the money somewhere else, you know, to kind of thicken the squad out because we are a little short at right back, left centre back, you know, all these different things. We still do need more, and we clearly don't have the funds to do it. I think it would have become very difficult for them to to say no to eighty million. I, I actually think they would have done it if I'm honest. Yeah, so do I. And listen, I totally get as people saying this to talking fantasy football, but we know they had the offer. We know they they knocked it back, and it, it did. It's something that we talked about on the transfer show. I mean, I even thought, like you said, that the players you could get. You've got that Mitoma lad, haven't you? Brighton on the left wing who destroyed Trent on a number of occasions, didn't he, with his pace and skill last season, you know, Adeyemi at Dortmund. So it's not like there's not cheaper options who I think could, you know, get numbers and even more out there. But hey-ho. Let's yeah, and the truth is, though, you have to remember, we're even talking about him not starting for Liverpool. So it's not even yeah. like you're taking out, you know, a guy that's like absolutely critical in the moment and need to replace him now. You, you could potentially take more of a punt, essentially, with that, with that signing. You know, let's just call it Jota's position out there and... You know, you've got the two forwards and then Salah plays the other side and you've got Ben Doak as a young lad on that side. Maybe you go for a young lad on this side and uh, and put the money into, you know, I don't know, a Turam or a Colwell or whatever you will, whatever, you know, whatever you think the team needs. Yeah, absolutely. But it's not going to happen. And let's let's be clear. Let's hope he rams these words down our throat and ends up right near the top goal scorer somewhere. But absolutely. who knows? We'll have to see. So... Final two questions. This one, I'm just going to get you to give a name. There's no context before I ask you the final one where I'll give you a bit of a chance. So, the penultimate question, but not the final one. Who's going to top our assist chart? Just a name. Trent. Salah, for me. You can't. Yeah, it's bet between yet. the two, but I'm, I'm going Trent. Love it if they're both going neck and neck again. That would be great. And. <laughs> The final question for to revisit at the end of the season, who is going to be Liverpool's player of the season? Same answer for me, Trent. Wow, you're going to Trent double, Trent assists. Yeah, I'm, I'm going by that, that kind of close to the season last year, you know, those final kind of eight games. I saw something really special there in Trent. And if we can have that over a season, I, I don't even think it'll be close. I think he'll be the comfy player of the season. Well, let's just hope he signs your autograph book when he hears you've made him vice-captain, player of the year, <laughs> and let's hope he gives you the photo or whatever. He's sitting here next to me. <laughs> yeah, you wish. Anyway, so for me, you can't bet against Mo Salah. It's a Mo Salah queen, clean sweep of goals, assists, and player of the year. You cannot bet against the Egyptian king, yeah, you've got the safe option. I don't doubt that. I mean, you, I, I would never bet against Mo, but uh, I've got a think. I've got a feeling for Trent this year. Yeah, and probably the the final thought, which I'd probably leave on. It's important we share our final thoughts as well for July as we come into or we're starting to get in towards this new season. I hope thinking about Player of the Year last season, there was Allison and Salah. And a lot of the time, the rest even weren't worth talking about. Let's be completely honest, you know, how bad it was at points last season. This year, my biggest hope is when we do fast forward almost in a year's time to the end of the season, we could say, Christ, we've got about six or seven player of the year contenders here, if that makes sense. You know, so 
that tells you we've been successful. That's what I hope. If our big players show up this season and don't get injured, we will be fine. That's my honest and biggest thought for the coming months. Right. I think that's, good. That's, a, that's a nice optimistic kind of way to, you know, to, to look at it. And I guess the way I would kind of, my, my final thoughts on the month and I guess where we're at is I find myself feeling pretty optimistic, pretty excited for the new season, which generally happens anyway. But I think just a little more of the season. I like the, I like the kind of revolution that's happening. I'm excited by it. I like who we've signed. I like who we've got. I think we find ourselves in a anything could happen again for us kind of season. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. two weeks to go till the season. Uh, I hope we get those signings in. I, I think we need to. But even as we are right now, I find myself very, very excited for the season. I, I don't know if you share that. Yeah, well, if we if we think on the numbers, no, what do you take when you get two guys who are talking about two signings coming in when nine signings have gone out <laughs> and the next Ben goes down every day? You find them optimistic about the coming season and August as well. So there we go. That concludes an absolutely like July jam-packed version of Red Alert. Mark, I'm tired, but it was a pleasure as always, my mate. Yeah, pleasure, mate. Thanks for that. And thank you for listening. You can butcher our predictions online and make your own people. Good night. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free... Sports Social Podcast Network.